April 1st, day 27. Presumption, curiosity. God's mercy is a holy mercy, which knows how to pardon sin, not to protect it. It is a sanctuary for the penitent, not for the presumptuous. Josiah Hotchkiss Gilbert. Many years ago, a young man went to work at a local hardware store. He found all sorts of merchandise that took up space but didn't sell well. An ambitious man, the young clerk asked the store's owner to allow him to put all the poorly selling surplus on a table and to sell each item for only 10 cents. He did so and had a rather successful sale. A few weeks later, he tried the promotion again and had another successful sale. The clerk, sensing something special about his new idea, approached the owner again and suggested that they open up a brand new store, one specializing in items that only cost a nickel or a dime. The owner mulled the concept over for a while, but finally decided that it was a bad idea and refused. Undeterred, the young clerk decided to go into business for himself, and though his first attempt failed, he refused to give up on his dream. His name was F.W. Woolworth, and he'd go on to pioneer what would become the largest department store in the world. Years later, his old employer was reported to have said, I have calculated that every word I used to turn young Woolworth down cost me a million dollars. Presumption. It's everywhere these days. Us presuming we're right. Us presuming we're informed. Us presuming we've got it all figured out. But do we ever stop to calculate the risk? Do we ever think about the loss? Do we ever truly know the cost of our presumptions? The relationships damaged. The opportunities missed. The friendships torn apart. The ancients called it hubris, a pride that went beyond arrogance. The Prowler's masterpiece. It was the sin of Eden, the sin of Cain, the sin of Noah's fallen world. It was the sin of Babel, the sin of Samson, the sin of Herod's suspicious reign. And if we're not careful, it can all too easily become our sin as well. Presumption, the slippery slope towards idolatrous certainty, us being irreversibly convinced that we are in the right, us sitting in the judgment of others, us believing that we can understand God through our own limited capacities. For if our God is small enough to be understood, then our God is not big enough to be God. That God is not big enough to be worshipped. That God is not big enough to make a difference. That God is simply big enough to be domesticated and controlled. And there are a few things that distance us from others and detach us from the divine like that sort of stiff-necked, hard-headed arrogance. Not even our Lord, who was God, through equality with God is something to be exploited. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. It's humility. It's obedience. It's Christ-likeness, then, that connects us. It is approaching life with a childlike, not childish, sense of wonder and curiosity. Curiosity, an openness, an eagerness to learn and stretch and grow, that's what it is to be a disciple. It is to be a student. Or better yet, as a dear friend of mine has come to translate the Greek, it is to be an apprentice, a follower who learns the lessons and the ways of the Master.